welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, my name's Trevor. I'm the director of youth and tech here at Awaken. A special welcome to you. Um, I'm starting our gathering off with a call to worship. And uh, this week, as I was thinking through like what we could go through together, um, I tried out a lot of different things and it didn't quite feel right. Um, I ended up landing um, on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, this is something I, I don't think we've read together a lot in the past, um, but I kept coming back to it, uh, largely because of a specific preface that Jesus gives to the Lord's Prayer. Um, he says that God knows what you need and what you would ask before you say anything, which landed with mixed emotion, but for me, it, it, I thought about it in terms of a lens that you engage that prayer being, it's already known, I'm already known, the need is known, and then you enter that prayer. As if the invitation is simply to recognize in myself what my need is, become awake to what the need is within me. And I sat with that for a bit, and it, it, it led to a question that I think I want to ask us today as we start is, um, what do you need from God? What do you need from God in this season, this morning, today, in general? Um, what would you ask of God? And I imagine the answer can come quickly for some of you and for others, it's almost impossible to answer. Um, but I want to ask it for us to sit with and then enter the prayer that the Lord gave us on the heels of that. So if you would rise in body or in spirit, holding that question and we'll read this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And do not let us fall into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's sing together. All right, friends, let's get this party started. What do you say? Uh, my name's Micah, if we haven't met, one of the pastors here at Awaken. Really glad that you are with us this morning on this cool, rainy, fall-ish day. Um, I woke up to things leaking in my kitchen, in the roof. Skylights. Can we just all agree skylights are a terrible idea? Like, cut a hole in your roof and pray that over time it doesn't start leaking at some point. It's a terrible idea, but anyhow... I'm glad you're here. Um, if you're new to Awaken, uh, we'd love to know that you're with us. There are some uh, cards in the seat pockets in front of you or the pews. You can also go online to our website, Awaken Community, or awakenwest7th.com, and fill out our newcomer card there. Someone will reach out to you, uh, invite you to a beverage of your choice, and we'd love to get to know you. You can get to know us a little bit. 
Uh, if you have tithes or offerings this morning as part of your worship, we're so grateful for your support of Awaken in this community, all the things that happen in it and through it. Uh, if you brought them, they can go in the black boxes at each of the exits, or you can give online. Lots of different ways you can do that. Uh, and the cards, if you fill them out, can go there as well. Uh, a couple of events we want to let you know about today, right after the second gathering, there is a queer community lunch happening right at A-Side, which is behind me in the uh, old fire station. Uh, that is at uh, about 11.45 or so. Josh and Cass, if you know them, look for them. They host that. There is a Discover Awaken class also happening after second hour today. So if you're new and you wanted to come back for free lunch, that is happening after the second hour. Um, you know, an opportunity for people to ask questions and get to know the church and a little bit more about us and us a little bit more about you. Uh, there is no Sunday church next week. So October the 1st, we have uh, 142 people going on the retreat, you guys. That's a record at Awaken. That's a record. It's going to be great. Very excited about that. Hopefully, we'll have a good weekend of weather. Um, so there's no gathering here. And uh, if you, uh, at the normal times, 1030, the, the live stream will be published on all of our channels uh, as per normal. So you can catch that there. Uh, if you are not able to go on the retreat. And then um, last but not least, there is an event coming at the end of October, which we've done now. This will be the third time. Trunk Retreat's coming back, you guys. Trunk Retreat's happening. It's a very fun, very fun event. So if you'd like to volunteer for that, sign-ups will be forthcoming. You can also volunteer to, to decorate your trunk. We park them in like a big horseshoe out in the parking lot, decorate our trunks, and the kids of the neighborhood come, and we love them and give them candy. And uh, it's a wonderful uh, wonderful time, a good time. So look for the sign-ups for that if you want to participate. Sound good? Okay, I want to invite a very special friend to uh, our Awakened stage. Some of you remember John Mark and Sarah Nelson, former worship pastor. Sarah is a fantastic, world-renowned artist who just released a show um, and uh, hung some of those things in the gallery. So tell us about that, Sarah. So what, what are we looking at? Thanks, Micah. Yeah. Um I, I don't know about world-renowned, but that was really sweet. <laughs> uh, it is such an honor to be back with you guys. It's been a minute, and my heart is so full seeing some familiar faces and also so many new faces here. Um, so thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm in town for an exhibit at St. Thomas, so if you have some time, go check it out. Uh, but I recently took an uh, expedition, an artist-in-residency, to the Arctic Circle, which is very far north and mostly ocean, but we did find a little bit of land. Um, and you'll see that in the photos in the back. A lot of you in this room helped make that possible, so it's such a huge honor to share some of those photos with you. Um, and then at St. Thomas, it's all the drawings in response to that expedition. Um, but a lot of my work is focused on what's happening in our planet, what's happening to people as a result of that. Um, and so as you're going to see in the images in the back, it's all about how we're seeing things that have never been seen before. So you'll see land that we have not seen because it's been covered by glaciers. You'll see reflections of peaks that we've never seen before because they were covered by either glacier or snow and they're being reflected in water that used to be covered by sea ice. So there's this huge, transition happening in the northern parts of our world. A lot of you, I'm sure, have felt that even here with the droughts. In LA, where we're living currently, we're feeling it with droughts and also torrential rain and suddenly mosquitoes. Um, so there's a lot of stuff happening, but I also wanted to not just make it doom and gloom and really capture the beauty of these places that we're connected to, whether we feel it on a daily basis or not. So I hope <laughs> that these photographs can be this small bridge to a part of our world that we're in, like, very interconnected with, but may not have a direct personal relationship with. Um, 
and I hope that you enjoy them. Yeah. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, if you do get a chance, how long is that exhibit at St. Thomas up? Okay, so it's up for a long time. Uh, Laura and I went the other night for the opening, and um, I would just highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, I don't often, I've been to art museums before, and for me, a lot of times, it's kind of a, huh, sort of an experience. Like, I don't quite connect with some of it, and I wonder, like, what does that mean? Um, I was just stunned and in tears taking in uh, the things that you made while you were there. So uh, it is very, very powerful. I would recommend you check it out. Um, and if you want more details on where to find that, you can talk to me or Sarah will be here after the gathering as well. Um, so we are going to continue this morning in a series we started last week uh, called Tr Formational Targets. Dallas Willard, uh, some of you may know that name, uh, since past, um, went largely unnoticed for most of his life, was a professor at, uh, of philosophy at USC, and later in life uh, began writing and uh, publishing, and much of what we know him for was in his kind of last chapter of his life. One of the books he wrote was called The Celebration of the Disciplines, and in it he shares this illustration. Um, imagine if you were, to, uh, you were to go to a show, you know, you go to a, a, a concert, and you see an absolutely amazing, like stunning, uh, overwhelmingly talented guitar player that just captures you, inspires you, takes your breath away, and you think to yourself, I think I'm going to play the guitar. Right? Like, have you ever had this, this, this uh, phenomenon? My wife often does this where she'll watch a movie on, you know, like, Save the Last Dance, and then, I think I'm going to take ballet lessons, or whatever, right? You see the show, you see the guitar player, and you're like, I think I'm going to take up the guitar. So you go to Guitar Center. You buy yourself the knockoff Stratocaster for $199, and the amp that should never be plugged into. And you begin to play. You begin to practice, right? You got your major scales, you got your minor scales, your pentatonic and whatnot, which is a scale, not just a band. And, uh, and your chord charts, right? You get the poster of the guitar chords. You know, you've all seen it. I had it in my bedroom. And, and then you think to yourself, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a concert. So after two weeks of practicing, you're like, I'm doing a house show. So you invite your friends over to do a house show. Your friends are very gracious. They're kind. They're compassionate. They come and they listen. How do you think that's going to go? It's, it's going to be a train wreck. It's going to be a total train wreck, and it's going to be awful. Like, you are not ready for that, right? If you're going to become an accomplished guitar player that has anything to share with anyone else, it's going to take time. It's going to take a plan. It's going to take practice. Like, you got to develop calluses. you got to, you know, like, do it. Willard makes the uh, connection, if you will, that the Christian life is no different. Just because you're inspired by Jesus doesn't mean you can, like, do this thing. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean you're going to, like, automatically wake up the next day and your character will be transformed and you'll be mature and deep and full of wisdom. He argues that that takes a lifetime's work, that it takes a plan, it takes intentionality, it takes practice before you ever show up and give a concert, Right? The life of faith in the spiritual life is one that without a plan and without intentionality, it doesn't happen. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and become mature overnight. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and have your character transformed overnight. It takes time. It takes effort. That's what this series is about. Formational targets. We talked last week about, like, if we think about well-being, right, human well-being, and there are these 
different aspects of well-being, one of which is the spiritual life. We want to zoom in on that piece of the pie, and then we want to create our own spiritual well-being wheel and say, like, what should be in that wheel? What, if you're going to live a vibrant and healthy and uh, maturing spiritual life, what are the things that could be in that pie that you would do well to listen to, pay attention to, invest in, and be intentional about? Right? So many of us have been told certain things about the spiritual life. If you grew up in the church or close to it, right? read your Bible, go to BSF, study your Bible some more, memorize some more of your Bible, learn the answers to the questions about the Bible, pray, evangelize, you got to tithe, you should go to church, right? And some of these things may still serve us. Some of these things don't serve us anymore. Maybe they did for a season, but they've maybe, uh, they've dried up. The well's a little dry there. For some of us, the versions of the things that we were told to actually do, we found to be more damaging than helpful. Like they produced more guilt and shame than they did fruit. Less love, less compassion, less joy, less peace. And so many of us stand kind of in this wilderness space of having this experience of around faith and Christianity and evangelicalism or whatever tradition, and the most we can say is like, not that. This series is about then what? Right? I mentioned last week, anybody can demo. Anybody can tear something down. Anyone can be a skeptic. That's easy. But to build something beautiful takes intentionality. It takes work. It takes effort. It takes a plan. And so these are the formational targets of Awaken, what we're calling the formational targets, things that we want to aim at that I think that we think will help us move along in the then what. Right? So they are... Liturgy, listening, learning, community, impact, and pilgrimage. These six areas that we want to dive into and explore and flush out a little bit. Maybe take a word like liturgy and dump it out from its meaning previously and invest it with some new meaning. Right. So today we're going to take some time talking about exploring this second formational practice called listening. And why I think it's important, an important part of the spiritual life, that you would do well to engage in. So last week we talked about liturgy. And remember, we're giving, I'm trying to give like a, a, a salient, like on-point definition of what I mean, what we mean when we say these words. So liturgy from last week, if you throw up that next slide for me. Um, not that one, the, the one after that. Uh, liturgy is a practice of and a commitment to the gathered worship of the church and the sacred rhythm of our life together. All right? So it's this commitment to and practice of the church, the people of God gathered for worship, right? And our sacred rhythm together, Advent, Epiphany, uh, Lent, Easter, Pentecost, right? This rhythm that we follow as the Christian church that helps us find ourselves in the story, much like Ancient Israel did, the sacred times of Israel's appointed feasts and festivals. This week, when we say listening, here's what I mean. This is the quiet, internal work of the soul and heart. To do what? To learn, to hear, consider, and act on the sound of God's voice. And to discern the sound of my own voice. And when it's true or false. So what do we mean when we say listening? This is the quiet, 
internal work. This is the kind of work that nobody sees. This is the kind of work that you do often on your own, right? This is where, where I think the quiet time and spend some time with Jesus alone actually fits and works, right? This is the quiet. Uh, we don't send out banners. We don't put it on Facebook or Instagram like, hey, did my quiet time? No, this is the quiet internal work of the soul and of the heart. To do what? To learn how to hear God's voice. But not only just hear on it, hear it, consider it, and then act on it. And, and this is where I think maybe we're, we're adding some things, to learn how to hear and know the sound of my own voice. And, and, and how and when to trust it. And when not to when, to. when to ask it questions or to be suspicious of it. So, that's what I mean when we say listening. I want to look at two passages. One from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. To kind of help fill this out a little bit. So, the first of which is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be there for just a moment. And I would invite you to rise in body or in spirit for the reading of the word. We'll read this first passage and see what we find. This is Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie, uh, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. God, this morning as we turn our attention to the scriptures, it's my hope and prayer as always that you would speak that you would reveal yourself to us. Thank you that you are not hiding. This is not a maze. This is not a trick. We don't have to conjure you up. But rather, we just have to become aware, become awakened to your presence, which is already here. Like Jacob, surely the Lord is in this place, but I was not aware of it. Help us become aware of it. Help us become awake. I pray in Christ's name and by the power of the Spirit, the church said together, amen, amen. You may be seated. What you just heard is one of if not the, one of the most recited and known prayers among humans. Uh, this is the Shema of, of, of Judaism. It is prayed morning and evening for thousands of years by millions of Jewish people and, and others. Um, it is, uh, if you've ever been to Israel or you've ever been to uh, a person who is in the Jewish faith to their home, sometimes you'll see like a little thing tacked to their doorpost, Right? Um, that's where this comes from, or that's where that comes from. And inside that little box is this prayer. So this is uh, um, the heart and soul of a tradition, and it's a prayer that is very well known. Um, the first word of this prayer is Shema, and it often gets translated here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. But if you were here last week, You've been around awake and long enough, you know that in Hebrew, there are less words than there are in English. And so the words that get used, certainly they have to be translated, and, and it gets translated here, but it's a deep and wide river, this word Shema. Um, the word obey often gets trans, or the word, if you see obey in the scriptures, right? Like if, if the Israelites would obey my commandment, guess what word that is? Shema. There is no other word for Obey. It's the same as the word for hear. So you could even translate that, if they would hear my commandments. So this word Shema, it's deep and wide, right? Um, it, it certainly means listen or hear, 
Like, I heard that person's voice, but it's more than that. Imagine that you're in the woods, and you're walking along a trail, and all of a sudden you hear the sound of a person's voice, and they're calling, help, help, right? So you're walking along, and you hear, right, auditory, uh, there are sound waves that go through the air, and they come in contact with your eardrums, and your eardrums translate those vibrations to your brain, which um, narrate, make sense of, interpret that sound, and you have then heard that person's voice. But you keep walking. According to the Bible, you have not shamad. It is to hear, like, did you hear that? Yeah. But it's more than that. It's to hear, but then it's also to consider, to, to acknowledge, to understand what has been said. So yes, I've heard this person calling in the, in the woods, help, help. And now I kind of stop and I consider. I, I try to understand, oh, that sounds like someone's in trouble. That sounds like someone might be in distress. That sounds like maybe they need someone else to Come to their aid. I've heard their voice. It's the, the sound waves have gone through the air. They've hit my eardrums. My, my brain has narrated and, 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 and uh, interpreted that. I, I understand that it, the word help has been uttered. And I've considered what it means. What, what, I'm trying to understand what's happening here. But then I just keep walking on my walk. According to the Bible, you have still not shamad. Because it's deeper than that. It's wider than that. It's more than that. To hear, hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one. It's to hear God's voice. It's to consider and understand what is being said. What does it mean? What's the tone? Uh, is, there, is there any sort of uh, urgency in this message? But then it's to act. It's to respond. It's to obey, right? So you've heard the sound of the person crying, help, help. You've stopped and you've considered, what does this mean? Maybe they need my help. And then you respond and you actually find the voice. You make your way to it and you, maybe they fall into a hole and they need help getting out. So you help them out. Now you have shamad, according to the biblical understanding of this word. You've heard it, you've considered it, you've understood it, and you've acted and responded. And in this case, helped. Or in other cases, you've obeyed, you've listened, you've taken into consideration so that it impacts how you live in the world. This is Shema. So what does it mean to hear God's voice? Well, according to Deuteronomy 6, it's all of these things. And we actually know this is true, right? You've said to your children, take out the trash. And they say, yes, Dad. And then they don't take out the trash. What do we say to them? Why aren't you listening to me? Because to listen is not just to hear, it's not just to auditory no, like sound waves, right? It's to consider what I've said, and to respond, and to take out the trash. We know this. Think about scripture passages that show this as well. If you remember in the book of 1 Samuel, right? Samuel, the, the young boy, he's in the temple, he's training with Eli under the high priest, and he hears a voice, Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks it's Eli, so he gets up. And he goes to Eli, and he says, yes, here I am. And Eli says, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And so he goes back to sleep, and then he hears the voice again, Samuel, Samuel. And so he goes to Eli again, and Eli says, ah, the wise sage, he knows what's happening in this moment. He says, Samuel, when you hear the voice again, say, here I am, Lord. Because he knows it's the Lord. And so on the third time, he hears Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel rises to his feet and says, here I am, Lord. 
with a little help from his friend, with a little help from some wisdom, Samuel is learning to hear, consider, oh, that's not Eli, that's the voice of the Lord, and responds, acts, here I am, what, what do you have for me, Lord? It's not until Samuel hears, considers, acts with a little help from Eli that he understands that this is the voice of God that he's hearing, which is a great segue into the second verse that I want to explore. This is John chapter 10. Jesus, in one of his more famous uh, dialogues, teachings, is talking about um, the, good, the gate and that he is uh, the shepherd. And in this passage in verse 3, we read, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he, has brought, uh, when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away because they don't recognize the stranger's voice. So to hear, to listen, is to... Right? We, we get from Deuteronomy, this, this idea of I hear the voice of God, I hear something, I'm considering it, I'm understanding it, and I'm responding and acting. But secondly, I would say, like, what does God's voice sound like to you? In this passage in John, we hear Jesus and he says, I'm the shepherd. And when I speak, the sheep know my voice. And they hear it and they respond to it. See, Samuel got up and went to Eli because he thought Eli was calling. He hadn't developed an ear in his own life for what God's voice sounded like to him. Do you, do you know what God's voice sounds like to you? I don't know if you've ever thought about that question, but like if you had to describe it, if you had to, to name it, if you had to like give some words to it, do you know what God's voice sounds like to you? When the divine wants your attention, do you know how it typically happens? I'm going to guess, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, there's probably a pattern. There's probably some consistencies over time that are particular to you. This is both the beauty and the pain of this reality. God, I think, interacts with us as individual humans. As a collective at times, yes, but also as individuals. And you are unique. There's only one of you. Praise the Lord, right? There's only one of me, praise the Lord. For all my faults, praise the Lord. And because I'm so unique, praise the Lord. Same is true for you. There's only one of you, and you're unique, and you've been crafted, and you have fashion, and you have experiences that you've had, and God knows those. And so if God wants to speak to you, God's going to speak in a particular way to you, right? This is both the beauty and the pain. I can't give you a formula for what God's voice will sound like for your life. I was told that, maybe growing up in youth group, that there is a formula, right? Do this, do that, do that, and then you will hear God's voice. Has anybody ever had that experience where people have told you, like, just do these things and you will hear God's voice? I don't think it's that simple, unfortunately. It's not that formulaic. I would argue that you have to learn God's voice while you are in relationship with God. Just the other night, I was, out, I was at an outing with my wife. We were in this public setting, and someone had come into that public setting, and I didn't know they were there yet, and then they laughed, and I was like, oh, so-and-so is here. <laughs> Do you know that person in your life? They'd have, like, a very unique or annoying laugh, right? And you're like, oh, yeah, so-and-so. There's a couple people where I'm like, oh, my gosh, if I could bottle up that laugh and just, like, sell it, it's so wonderful. Two people I can think of in my life. A couple where it's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad I don't have... 
But this person showed up, and I didn't know they were there. And they laughed out loud in public, and I literally said to my wife, oh, so-and-so is here. Because in relationship, I have learned the sound of their voice. I didn't even need to see them. I knew they were in the room. I think that we can begin to develop this kind of relationship with the divine so that when it happens, we know, oh, I've been here before. I've heard that before. This is why journaling practices are so important. Write it down if you ever sense like you've heard God speak. What what happened? What did it sound like? uh, My brother and I, when we were were at Central High School, um, when we were growing up, and, you know, School of 2,500 kids. There are people everywhere during classes. And we had this whistle. And Jake's whistle is different than my whistle. But over uh, like all the hum of all the people in the you know, passing time, he would see me down the hallway and he would whistle. And I would know because I knew the sound of his whistle. I knew the sound of his voice. I knew my brother was near. And I would do the same and he would know. Do you have that kind of relationship with the divine voice? And, and could you develop it? I would submit to you that it's possible. It's, it's possible. Right? Think about Elijah, the prophet. He goes up on the mountain. He goes to the Mount of God, Mount Horeb in Scripture. This is like where everybody meets with God. He goes there to hear God's voice. He's, he's had, had a rough day, and he find, makes his way there. And what happens? He waits to hear God's voice, and it doesn't come in the wind. The wind comes and shakes, and God's voice isn't in the wind. And then there's an earthquake. The ground shakes beneath his feet, but God's voice isn't in the earthquake. And then a fire comes down on the mountain, and God's voice isn't in the fire. And then a still, small voice, like a babbling brook, is the Hebrew word. And he hears God's voice. Here's an all-play question, and it might be the most squishy, soft, like, undescript, nondescript all-play question I've ever asked at Awaken, but... We're going to try it anyways. We'll see how it goes. I may ditch it for second hour. Uh, <laughs> you guys get, you get the fresh version, you know. Sometimes people ask me that. They're like, Micah, do you, what do you podcast, first or second hour? It's 50-50, right? Sometimes I preach first hour, and I'm just like, roll the tape. It's not going to get any better. <laughs> and other times I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so glad I have another crack at that because that was terrible. And then I come back the next week to first hour sometimes, and I'm like, you guys, if you were here last week, first hour, listen to the podcast, because that's what I meant to say. <laughs> Here's the all-play question. What does God's voice sound like to you? If you had to describe it, what does God's voice sound like to you? What does it make you feel? If you had to describe it, what words would you give to it? Peace. Hey, when you hear the divine voice, there's a sense of peace. Strength. So it's a strong voice, has a, a strength, a strong character to it. What else? Confident. Confident. Say it again. More human. Gentle. Similar to my mom. Can we just pause for a moment? In all seriousness, in a world that has been dominated by men, in an institution that has dominated by men, someone in our midst spoke the truth that when they hear God's voice, it sounds like their mother. We need all the voices. 
I would say that's true for me too. What else? Clarity. Clarity. It's clear. Home. Home. Say it again. Painful. Somebody in pain, okay. Wise. Okay. Expansive. Not a voice, but like things seem to get bigger. See, friends, when we reduce Christian formation and spirituality to formulas that can be repeated, we miss out on, we are talking about an infinite being. How can you reduce it to a formula? So all we have are words like expansive and peace and clarity and strong. It's like, it's ineffable, right? Words can't capture it, but we try. When we hear the voice of God, the wind, a small breeze, a whisper, light, warmth, for me, it's like surprise. And that's not mine, is often how I experience God's voice. It's, it seems to be outside of myself. And if you were listening to this, like just randomly you walked in and you heard this, you might think we're all crazy. <laughs> right? And yet, I would testify that this is true. This formational target of listening, it's about hearing and considering and acting. It's Shema. It's about learning the voice of the shepherd, learning God's voice for you. And that's particular. So be on that journey if you've not thought about it in that way. Like on a quest of what is it for me? What does it sound like for me? And last I want to say, in terms of listening... I want to suggest the possibility that this is also, in part, listening to and learning how to know your own voice. Uh, This is a place where I would have gotten in great trouble at all of my former employers, (laughs) right? Because what I am telling you, what I'm inviting you to, is to trust your own voice. And I want to walk a fine line here. Uh... And the reason I would get in trouble, right, is because I've been told certain things about my own voice. That is, don't trust it, right? It is deceitful and wicked, um, arrogant, proud, self-centered, and always at odds with God because I am inherently sinful. And so what could it be other than that? And that's dualistic thinking. That's either or. That's binary, right? And I want to I attempt to be third-way kinds of people. I want to attempt to be non-dual thinkers here. Because it's not either or in this case. It's both and, right? Both extremes are damaging. If I only listen to my own voice all the time and never ask it questions, I know from personal experience that that will lead me down bad roads, given time, right? Can I get an amen? We all understand that that's true about the human, okay? And if I never listen to my own voice and think that it is inherently wicked and evil, I've missed a part of the scriptural story, in particular Genesis 1 and 2. So can it be both? Somehow can we hold in tension the reality that my voice actually can be trusted at times, that I have access to a wisdom because I am made in the image of the divine, that there is a spark in me that does not, that does, does not get uh, like annihilated 
because of I'm, I'm the son of Adam. No, there is something in me that's good and always will be. So can I learn to like mind that? Can I learn to find that? Can I learn to trust that? Hear it. Not diminish it. Not say that it doesn't exist. Not only listen to it all the time. And this takes wisdom, right? You cannot be an expert guitar player overnight. Just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean you're going to be able to do this well. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. So I want to invite you, if you've never been invited, to learn your own voice and what it sounds like. And to be in this, uh, in this formational experience where you're learning to trust and, and ask questions at the same time of this voice that is mine. Because sometimes there is truth there. I will tell you this. This church would not be in existence if I didn't learn to trust my own voice. When, I, when we started Awaken 13 years ago, I went away for four days to be by myself, to spend some time with God, and my question was, God, what should I do? Do you want me to plant this church? And what God responded to me was, what do you want? And I said out loud on the shore of Lake Mille Lacs, underneath a, a tree that was like on fire in the fall, like the beauty of fall, I said, I want to do something I've never done before. I want to start something that I'm like proud of. I want to build something that I can live in. I want to, I want to create a community that embodies a kind of faith that I can actually do and be in. I want to, like, I want to do something that requires me to be on, like, to be dependent and desperate on God's spirit. Like, if God's spirit isn't there, I'm sunk. I want to move into that space because I want to force myself to live there. And what I heard God say was, well, I will be with you in that. If I didn't trust my own voice, if I didn't, like, give it any credence or value, would we even be here? I don't know. So part of this journey of maturation is learning that you have a voice and that it, it is not inherently wicked and evil, arrogant, and opposed to God at all times. Sometimes it is, but not always. So we hold that tension. I want to um, move to landing this plane a little bit, and um, I want to end with, like, how do we do this, right? I'm offering this possibility of listening, like, hearing God's voice, considering it, acting on it, learning God's voice for myself, for me, what does it sound like, and I, learning how to hear my own voice. Three practices I want to give you here just as pra uh, pragmatics, okay? The first of which is in our, in our definition. Can you throw the definition of listening back up there for me, Avery? The quiet, right? First, second word, the quiet internal work. In order to do this work, you are going to need spaces of quiet. You're going to need spaces of silence and solitude. If you want to hear something, if you want to pay attention to something, often what you do is like back up from the noise around you so that you can hear. Like, watch Jesus' life in the Gospel of Luke. The thing that Luke tells us about Jesus, maybe more than anything else, is that he gets away for quiet, for silence and solitude. And it's usually after success. Like, you know, they throw a big revival and thousands of people come, and he's like, you know what, we got to get away for a bit. Jesus, the people are coming. They want you to start a second service. And he's like, no, we're going to the other side of the lake. We're going to a new town. We're going to go get away to pray. Why? Because if you're going to learn to listen and hear God's voice and your own voice and what it sounds like to you and for you, you will need spaces of quiet. So what are they for you? It could be meditation, just daily meditation, three minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, a minute, yoga, um, mindfulness. It could be taking a walk or going on a bike ride or going for a drive. Just time where you are not 
in the cacophony of your life. Carve that out. If you want to be an expert guitar player, you're going to have to practice. And it's going to take time. So practice, quiet, silence, and solitude. Second, spiritual direction and therapy. The two things in my life that I will double down on that have helped me in this journey of listening is my spiritual director, his name is Joel, and my therapist, his name is Mark. These are two people who I pay them to help me here. I'm so serious about this listening bit that I'm paying people to help me because I want it desperately. And these people, they help me discern my own voice too, right? They're sounding boards that I can say, does this sound crazy to you? And they're like, yes, it does, Micah. Please do not go there. <laughs> or, actually, that sounds a lot like the divine. That sounds like God. That, I would move in that direction. They help me discern that. So spiritual direction and therapy, I cannot recommend it enough. And the last thing I would say is, uh, like, self-discovery. So pick a tool, okay? You know, uh, people talk about the Enneagram. Great. If you like it, go for it. Uh, Strengths Finder is another one, right? It's, a, it's an inventory about, like, you and your unique gifting or um, spiritual pathways, right? Each of us have certain ways that we connect with God. Do you know what they are? So these, these tools are about learning about yourself. If you are unique and if God's voice sounds unique to you, like, do you know what that's going to sound like? I, I have learned over time that one of my spiritual pathways is creation. When I'm in creation, I often hear God's voice. I hear the divine. I hear it in the birds. I hear it in the wind. So for me, I've learned that, and so I try as much as I can to get out into nature and creation when I can, alone, because that's a place where often God speaks to me. So how do we do it? Lots of different ways. I'll just offer those three as real practical ways, right? Self-discovery. There are lots of tools out there. Learning more about who you are. Uh, silence and solitude. Practice that. And then spiritual direction or therapy. People that you can bounce things off of. If we zoom in on the spiritual life and we say we want to have a vibrant and healthy spiritual life, Listening will be a part of that transformation. And by listening, I mean the quiet, internal work of the soul and heart to learn to listen, consider, and act on the sound of God's voice and to discern the sound of my own voice when it's true or false. This is what we mean when we say listening. Pray with me. God, as we take a moment of silence, I pray that you might speak a word, that you would... Find us, move us, invite us to be more like you, Jesus. My friends, so good to be together. My hope and my prayer is that as we walk this journey out together, that slowly but surely we begin to change, that we're transformed. Paul says, into the likeness of this person that we gaze upon, which isn't doctrine or dogma or rules or regulations, it's the person of Jesus. It's who he was. It's what he was about. And that that life would become so close that it would flow out of us into the world. And that that would be good news. Amen? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. 
The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together, amen. Grace and peace. Don't forget the art installation. See you next week. Find us online at www.awakeningcommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awakening Community or on Twitter at Awakening Community. See you next time.